We're going to start a new series, uh, God willing, next week. I'll mention that again in a minute. Um, but there's some there's some great core there's a great core verse in in here that uh, I think I want to pick up on next week. But Philippians chapter three. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again as it's a safeguard for you. Just to note there, it's never wrong to hear things over and over again. Okay? Actually, we quite often we need to hear things over and over again. All right? It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again as it's a safeguard for you. All right? So if you're, if you're concerned, well, repeat some things. Repeat the truth. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Uh, these were people who said that you had to be circumcised to be a, a follower. This is Paul speaking into a very specific situation. But then he goes on, he says, it's we who are the circumcision. Well, we, we who? We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, through doing stuff, but that which is through faith in Christ. Righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. If on some point you think differently, that too will God, God will make clear to you. It's Paul's way of saying, I am right and you need to just get right. But anyway, only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Join with others in following my example, brothers and sisters. Take note of those who live according to the pattern we give you, we gave you. For as I've often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, 
And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the way the Holy Spirit has just raised you in our worship this morning as we've worshipped together. And again, we just want to raise you and to fix our eyes on you, to think of you and see you and receive you and understand more of who you are and who we are in you. Just help us as we share together briefly now in your precious name. Amen. So here we are on the first Sunday of a new year, 2019. I don't know about you, it feels funny saying it. Um, but, uh, and it'll take a few weeks, won't it, to get used to writing it down. But as we look out on this year ahead, some of it with plans in place. I'm sure some of you have got plans in place. But much of it unknown. It's the reality, isn't it, of the, the days ahead. They are unknown. How do we face it? How do we face it? If there are worries and concerns, how do we face those? If there are hopes, dreams, how do we ground those? There's many ways we could look at this. There'll be many sermons being preached on this, I'm sure, right across this nation and the nations of the world. But for me... I just want to pick up a little phrase. For those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do two things. Firstly, in the right sense, I'll come back to it in a moment, I want you to forget what's behind. Secondly, I want you to look forward, to press forward with faith. What is faith? Just remind ourselves, what is faith? I just was thinking about this this week again, and even in the prayer meeting we were praying about this. Faith, at its absolute bottom, I mean, there's many sermons to be preached on faith, but what is faith? It's believing God. Amen? It's believing God. Trusting, leaning, putting my whole weight on God, believing, trusting that He is in control. Now, there's many elements to faith, and we, we obviously could talk about that, but believing God, and as I allow that faith, that belief, I allow that belief to shape me, to shape my plans, to shape my actions, indeed my reactions, in fact, all of my emotions. Believe in God, that as a person of faith, I believe God and that shapes me. Now, we recognise, because we could feel guilty very quickly, couldn't we? It's not an instant thing. That's why um, it talk, the whole of the Bible talks about a walk of faith. talks about a life of faith. It, it is something to be practised. It's something to be worked out day by day. We don't always get it right. We're, we're not always faith-filled. But it's something that we're exercising, we're, we're growing in, we're developing. It's a walk of faith. It's a life of faith. But, but what is faith? It's believing God. I'm, Lord, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to lean upon you. I'm going to let my belief in you shape how I act and react, how I plan 
how I build, and so on. Now there's a lot that we could draw out of this chapter, Philippians uh, chapter 3. There's all sorts of elements here that we could, it's a, it's a big, big chapter in that sense, and I'm not going to tackle it uh, expositorily uh, today, but we will pick up on some of the verses next week, uh, particularly verse 8, as we launch, we want to launch a series really. Uh, Ashley and I have been very much praying and thinking, and we're feeling right through to Easter, so over these next weeks, we're going to look at the person of Jesus. We're going, to, we're going to talk about Jesus, we're going to worship Jesus, we're going to uh, discover and explore uh, Jesus. Who is Jesus? What he said, what he did, uh, what, all that he stands for, his place in the Trinity, his lordship. Um, we're going to look at all of that. And just to give you a taster, really, and to remind you again, let me read again. I don't think I gave it to the guys. But verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Okay? So that's where we're going to be going over the weeks to come. As Paul say, if the Apostle Paul says it, we need to hear it. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. So um, we're going to seek Jesus, we're going to see Jesus. That's where we're, we're heading. But all this week, I've had this verse. I think it's a verse from my childhood. It's a verse that I heard a lot growing up. But this, these verses have been in my head all this week. Verses 13 and 14. Just throw them up again, I think, John. One thing I do, says the Apostle Paul, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead... I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. And that's what I've just, all this week, and I just thought, this is what I've got to speak on. This is the verse. Forgetting what is behind. Now, I don't think this verse, or Paul is telling us, that we should never look back. Okay, so please hear that. It's, it's not that we shouldn't look back, because it, it's good to look back. It's good to reflect. In fact, many times in the Bible, what does God say? He says, remember, doesn't he? Over and over again, remember, remember. In fact, set up, set up a pile of stones or set up a temple or uh, do this, do that, plant this, uh, create this, build that in order that you might remember. So it's not that looking back is wrong. I don't think Paul is telling us not to look back. We can look back and give thanks. We did that Last year, didn't we, with the 10th anniversary, we gave thanks. We looked back. We put up some wonderful photographs, which, some of which made us laugh. But we looked and we saw 10 years. We looked back. We gave thanks. You can also look back, of course, and God, this is why God often will ask us to remember, we look back in order to learn lessons. Ah, we'd do it differently again another time. If we did that again, we'd do it differently. So we look back and learn lessons. We give thanks. We remember It's important for us. But I believe what Paul is trying to say here, that there is a warning for us, that we need to be careful that we don't look back and live there. Look back and live there. Maybe we talk about or or even want to go back to the good old days. It's a funny old thing, that phrase, isn't it, the good old days? if you uh, get realistic and honest and go back to when the good old days were, they were very challenging times, just like today is a challenging time. But somehow we can 
look back with nostalgia to when it was then or how it was then. And I wish that. And yet, and, and we can find ourselves, if we're not careful, living there. But I don't believe that's what God's called us to be as his people. I, I think Paul is, is trying to say that to us. I think there's a warning that we look back and live there. Possibly there's a warning also, in fact I'm sure there is a warning here in Paul, about looking back and boasting. Looking back and saying, well, this is what we've achieved, this is what we've done, look, this is what I did. This is, um, you know, sports people, well in 2018, you know, I won this thing and I won that thing and I did this thing. And, and actually my standing and my reputation, if I'm not careful, can be on what I was and what I did. Well, it's not wrong what you did, and it's not wrong what you achieved, but sometimes you can base your reputation, as it were, or even how you're living today, on what happened in the past. Well, don't you know, I used to be, I used to be one of these, or I used to be one of those. Well, that's wonderful, but who are you today? What's God called you today? What, what's he speaking to you about today and for tomorrow? Because you see, sometimes we can live in the past, or we can live on, uh, on past triumphs or past experiences and so on. And it can do two things. One, one of the things it can do is if we're living in the past all the time, it leads to inaction. Well, I'm not going to do anything now because it's not like it was. And actually, there's something God's got for each one of us today and for this coming year. It's... it's we can't wait. I, I want to see it get back to the way it was. It won't get back to the way it was, whatever it was, because today is today. And, and actually, we're, we're being called by God. I'm pressing on, says Paul. I'm straining. I'm, I'm moving on. We can learn some lessons. We can bring some things from the past into the present. But even that, I'm realizing, would you believe it's been two years next week since I've been here? But actually, it's a different context here. Sure, I I did things. I was in another context, another place, another church. But this is here. And God has things for us here which are different to back then. And I I need to know that. And that's a lesson I continue to learn. It's an important lesson. So living in the past can lead to inaction, waiting or hoping for things to go back the way they were. But Paul says, no, I press on. I want to urge you today, brothers and sisters, us as a church, let's press on. I I do love this church. I want to say to you, I'm not speaking to something that I feel is a big issue, but I'm just speaking what I feel God's laid on my heart. I love this church. There is a desire. We want to move on. We want to grow. We want to see more people being saved and added. We, we want to see things grow and develop. And that's wonderful. It's a wonderful environment to be in. So please, don't, I don't want you to feel beaten up in any way, but just hear the whisper of the Spirit as he wants to speak to you. Now the context, of course, in context is always important. And I'm aware when Greg is sitting at the back that I need to get my theology lined up. Anyway, um, the context... Sorry, Greg. <laughs> the context... <laughs> that Paul is talking about is the danger of putting his confidence in the past. And he, of all people, had things in his past that he could have put his confidence in. His background, his spiritual pedigree, his education, 
And he, he's in danger. In fact, he had been putting his confidence in the past. In fact, he calls it the flesh, the, the, the works. He's putting his confidence in things that he had done and positions that he'd held and so on. But in verse 3, he says, No, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, we put no confidence in the flesh. Now, there is a particular thing he's talking about here. It's the, the work of circumcision, uh, etc., and so on. There's a specific thing, but there's a more general principle here that's at work as well. It's all these works, these things, I was, don't you know who I was? I was this and this and this, and that's where my confidence is. He said, no, I come to realize I put no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the titles and the, and the works. No, I put my confidence in Christ. He goes on, verse 8, Those things are nothing. I consider them to be rubbish compared to knowing Christ. So it's not a case of, don't you know who I am? No, it's, do you know who Christ is? Can you see Christ in me? There may have been good things last year. There may have been some not so good things, challenging things. I want to invite you to hear the words of Paul, the past is the past. Let's leave it there. Let's push on. We don't forget it. We don't deny it. But we look forward. I'm not going to boast about it. Neither am I going to let it hold me back. Rather, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, I just feel prompted, not in my notes, but right here in my spirit right now, I do want to say one thing. If if you have an issue with someone else that you have not put right, this is not God's way of saying it's okay to forget about it. If you need to put something right, go and put it right. This is not a let-off clause. Okay, just feel that. If there's forgiveness, if you've got forgiveness that you need to bring to someone then bring it. I encourage you to do that. Otherwise, it will hold you up. It will constrain you. It will bind you up. Now, as we do forgive, and as we release people into God's just and righteous hands, we are then free to move on. I just feel prompted to say that. So even as I say, let's forget the past, uh, as Paul says, that's not an excuse for... uh, forgetting to do things that God actually has spoken about to us to actually do, that biblically we need to do. But he says, I'm not going to let it hold me back. Rather, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. So I look forward, I press forward, and I do it in faith, believing God and trusting him. See, undoubtedly, there will be challenges in 2019. Now, maybe some Christians say, oh, Mark, you shouldn't really talk like that. No, I, I, if I'm anything, I'm a realist. <laughs> I'm a pragmatist. I'm, you know, I am down to earth in that sense. There will be challenges in 2019. Some things you may already know about. Other things you will come to know about as the year progresses. The question is, what is the ground that you stand on as you press on? even as you strain to, towards what is ahead. What is the ground you stand on? Well, I got a 
just, I, I love Twitter, some of you know, I follow lots of Christian leaders, but there was one Christian leader who highlighted one of the most famous verses in the Bible, and I thought to myself, do you know what, I have never seen that quite like that before. Let's just put up Romans eight thirty-eight. I mean, probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible after John three sixteen. Let me read this to you. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Great verse, isn't it? Wonderful. How many times have you quoted that? Did you see there's a bit, there's a part way through there? I've got it highlighted. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future. Have you ever noticed that before? Or applied it? Neither the present, what is the situation today that you're facing, the news you receive tomorrow or next week or next month, nor the future, neither the present nor the future. Yes, there may be present, current challenges, and I know pastorally we're aware numbers of you are facing some of those. There may be challenges in the days ahead that none of us know about yet, but one thing 2019, the present nor the future can ever do is separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the ground that we stand on as believers in Jesus. Thank you very much. (laughs) Fighting off colds is one of the things that we continue to do, isn't it? Thank you, Susan. That's why we want to come back again to Jesus. Did you hear those verses? You say, Jesus, Mark? Haven't we done Jesus? Will we ever finish doing Jesus? What did Paul say? It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It's a safeguard for you. It's a safeguard for you. And actually, it doesn't matter how long we explore Jesus, we're never going to fully understand or fully grasp the glories of our Savior. Who is Jesus? Who we are in him? Brothers and sisters, what is the ground we stand on? It's knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is bigger than our circumstances. What are you facing right now? He's in control. He's over it. As you look out on the months to come, what is it you're facing or what is it you're concerned you may be facing or things that you won't even know about today that you will be facing? He is bigger than our circumstances Nothing, neither the present nor the future can ever separate us from Christ Jesus our Lord, knowing him. That's why it's so important to have the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, deep in our hearts. The prize, as Paul calls it in this particular way, he's talking about it in a particular way, he talks about it, the prize. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus, deep in our hearts, Deep in our minds. Just very, very simply, what is the gospel? That we have a creator God. That we're made, we were made to be in relationship with him. But that 
relationship was broken as Adam and Eve rebelled against God, sin entered the world, and all relationships became broken and fractured. Man before God, woman before God, man before man, man before woman, woman before woman, and so on. All, all fractured, all broken. And we could not fix it ourselves. Right there in the garden, God had, uh, death had to come, blood had to be shed, that even that they might be clothed. And right there in the garden, at the very beginning, is this huge arrow pointing all the way to the day when he would send a saviour. That rebellion brought us under the judgment of God. Why did we need a saviour? Because we're under the wrath, under the judgment of God. He's holy, righteous, just. We're separated from him. We can no longer be in that beautiful relationship with him. There's no way back. We can't bridge it. However many acts of righteousness or doing good or giving money or helping people or being a nice person, it will never meet the righteous requirements of a holy and perfect God. There was only one who could come. And we've been celebrating, haven't we, in these last weeks. Only one who could save us. God sent his son into the world that we might be rescued. Rescued from our broken, destroyed, fractured state. He came to show us the Father. He came to display the love of God. He came to to make a way back to the Father, to be the perfect sacrifice so that we could be restored. We deserved to die. We deserved the penalty that we were living under because of our sin. Jesus paid the price. Jesus brought us back to the Father. He stood in the gap between us and the Father. Now, as we come to him in in repentance, acknowledging our sin, acknowledging our need of forgiveness, we come to him and he says, you are forgiven because I've died for you. I shed my blood for you. I've paid the price. Your sin is forgiven. Come and be reunited in a restored relationship with the Father. And by the way, be filled with the Holy Spirit that you might know him, not just distant and far off, but you might know him daily, hour by hour, minute by minute, as he lives within you by his Holy Spirit. That's the gospel, the good news. We need to have that deep within us as we walk out into 2019. We need to to have it deep in our hearts. And, and pressing on to a greater and greater understanding of it. What it means for us. The ground that it gives us to stand on. When the challenges come, as undoubtedly they will, we don't just freak out. We don't lose our minds. Because our focus is in a different place. It's in a higher place. As Paul puts it in verse 20, we're citizens of heaven. This is not just our home. This is not all that there is. When we get into that interesting month of March, and goodness knows what's going to happen in March in this country and nationally and all the rest of it, but we need to keep reminding ourselves, this is not all there is. There's a kingdom of God that is at work that is greater than us, greater than the UK, greater than Brexit or any other thing. It's so important. We're citizens of another place. Another place he talks about, suddenly being aliens and strangers. We don't, we don't always feel like we fit. It's because we're not supposed to. It's because we've got a home somewhere else. If you don't know what that feels like, talk to Ashley or someone else from another nation. 
all right? Talk to someone from another nation. Ask them to try and explain. But our focus is in a different place. We eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. The saviour is coming back. Take us to be with him. Who, verse 21, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So mindful for some of you here today. Right here in this room and others that you're closely connected to. Our minds are very much with with John and Emily and John's dad who's just had a very nasty stroke in the last few days. We live in lowly bodies. Some of you right now in this room have got a lowly body. I want you to hear this scripture. Jesus is coming back. Him who brings everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. In my Bible, I've got PTL written there. Praise the Lord. Okay? Bits just keep dropping off. I know that's one of my phrases. Even last night, another bit of tooth fell off. You know, it's ah, oh, not again. But one day, soon, we're going to have a glorious body like his. Glorious. Glorious. This is not all that there is, brothers and sisters. That's part of our hope. We're praying for healing. We will continue to pray for healing. We recognize that actually full healing, ultimate healing, is to be with Christ in eternity with a glorious body. And even if people are healed today, there will be another day when they will die until Jesus comes. But there is a day when Jesus is coming back. Some of you are starting to get a bit excited. But, <laughs> but the, as we walk out into this year, neither the present nor the future can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord's. <laughs> so I know even recently that there's been testimony among some of you, whether it be parents or non-Christian relatives or colleagues, why are you not panicking? Why are you, why are you not really worried? Why are you not really angry? And you might say, well, you know, some days I am struggling. Sometimes I am cross. I've got this amazing peace. Where did you get this peace from? And simply, some of you are, are being able to witness and to say to a parent, a friend, a colleague, I have a hope. It's in Jesus. I have something more. This is not all that there is. I have a hope. He's saved me. He's rescued me. He's restored me. And he's placed me into family. So whatever happens with Brexit, the economy, house prices, I want to say this. There is and will be many opportunities to share the gospel and people will come to Christ. Amen, Greg? People will come to Christ. Until Jesus returns, people will come to Christ. And so we can share the gospel with an assurance. Not everyone will be saved necessarily. Not everyone. We will see them being saved. But we can share the gospel and people will come to Christ. So we can pray for that. Fear may seek to rise its head, but chains will be broken. Chains will be broken. 
Chains will be broken. We can believe for that. Amen, Susan? Chains will be broken. We can say with reasonable certainty there will be some national or international tragedies. Even in the first couple of days of this year, there have already been one or two of those. For some, there may be personal sadnesses. How do we meet those things? We meet it with faith. Believing God, trusting in his sovereign hand at work in everything. We seek to show the same kindness and compassion that has been shown to us in Christ. We display Christ to those around us. There will be turmoil at times. But we have one who is called, what did we call him a couple of weeks ago? The Prince of Peace, who is walking with us through every moment. I'd like you to stand. We'll just share communion as we finish. Mums and dads, just be mindful of your children. Let me just read a a verse that we don't often hear, but a great verse, and it just helps us into communion. Feel free to lead us, guys. Just share communion as we reflect on this. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then listen to this. I think verse 24 is up there. Yes. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Just want to invite you as we come to communion, as we give thanks again for the the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we shared that gospel picture. Maybe for one or two of you, you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus. An invitation this morning to respond to that gospel message. I'd never realized that's, that's what it was. I'd never understood it. There's an invitation for you to come to the communion table to take a cup of uh, juice and bread to remember the Lord Jesus' death. But maybe you're doing it for the first time. I invite you to do it for the first time, recognizing he died for you. Ask his forgiveness for your sin and receive the new life that he wants to bring to you. So I invite you to do that, maybe for the first time. If you're not yet feeling a place to do that, please don't take communion. And I want to say to the rest of us, those of us who have already given our lives to the Lord Jesus, hear this, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. As you come to the communion this morning, the Lord is my portion. As you drink and eat, the Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. That's not just a sort of a sitting around in hope and maybe... That's, that sent, the word wait there is the sense of I rest in him. I sit in him. I wait in him. I am in him. I am in Christ to bring it into that New Testament application. The Lord is my portion. He's my saviour. He's my healer, my restorer, my provider. I wait in him. I rest in him. I sit in him. Father, just pray for anyone here who is sick, unwell today, 
I pray today in the name of Jesus that they would know that the Lord is their portion and that they rest in him. Speak healing in the name of Jesus to blood conditions, to cancer situations. Father, to to emotional and, and, and mental challenges. I speak the peace of God. Let the Prince of Peace come into your life today in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Let healing be released across this body as we say, Lord, you're my portion. You're my portion. I will wait for you. I will rest in you. For those concerned, fearful about decisions to be made or Powerless because others are making decisions on your behalf of feeling out of control. I want you to say, the Lord is my portion. I will wait on him. I will rest in him. Neither the present nor the future can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of his death. Lord, we thank you for your death. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body. Feed us this morning, we pray, as we come and share communion. Jesus' name.